Hey, Grand Rising, real quick before we get into this episode, I want to let you know that this is a season finale. This is episode 20 of season 14. We have made it to the end. And I titled this one after a book I'm reading here called Karma, A Yogi's Guide to Crafting Your Destiny. As you always know on this podcast, we are about exploring our inner universe. So take some space with me. Let's go back as well as look forward. Thank you so much for riding riding with me all the way up to 20 episodes. Hopefully season 15 will be ex- as exciting. If not, we'll make it so. Namaste. Grand Rising, and welcome back to the podcast here on Only Black Cosmonaut. We explore our inner universe and shine a light of love and acceptance with planetary alignment. We do that through that conversational practice of mindful guided meditations, yoga, and wellness. How you been? It's been almost 20 days now since the last episode, and hopefully you got a chance to hear my parkour life, the path that I'm taking, and um, maybe even some deeper insight into what brought me into this moment. So thankful you could be back. We are going to be reading from a book called Karma here. It's by Satguru, and it's a yogi's guide to crafting your destiny. I got excited for this book. It comes out April 27th, and I got a hold of a pre-release copy. And I'm just going to read from chapter one. Just get it started. Hopefully, you're doing well. Hopefully, you're in a comfortable space. Just a quick note that this podcast is about that mindful guided meditation. As I said, I want you to practice self-wellness on any version that you see fit. Meditation doesn't always have to look like a stillness practice. It can look like anything that brings you to a state of joy and acceptance into your moment. A way to be with it unjudgmentally. All right, let's get going into this book. One, Karma, the Internal Enigma. Sutra One. Karma is about becoming the source of one's own creation. In shifting responsibility from heaven to oneself. One becomes the very maker of one's destiny. In the driver's seat, it happened. Once the Pope went to the United States, his schedule was a busy one, with engagement in various cities. One day, he happened to be in Louisiana in a chauffeur-driven stretch limo the vehicle that demonstrates the quintessentiality of America's ability to stretch a limousine to its limit. The Pope was excited because he had never driven a car like this. He told the chauffeur, I would like to drive. How could the chauffeur refuse the Pope? He said, of course, Holy Father. So the Pope took the wheel and the chauffeur took the back seat. The Pope started enjoying the car, and his foot got heavy on the gas pedal. He hit 90, and and then 100 miles an hour. He did not realize how fast he was going. Now, the Louisiana police, known to be a set of not-nice guys, comes to speed, braking, swung into action. When it comes to speed, they swinging to action. Now, the Louisiana police, known to be sticklers when it comes to speed, braking, swung into action because this limousine who just drove by them 100 miles an hour. When the Pope in the zooming limousine saw the flashing lights behind him, he pulled over the shoulder of the road. The cop got out the car and carefully with his gun on him, 
or his hand on his gun, slowly approached the car. He looked in. He saw it was the Pope himself driving the vehicle. He peered into the back seat and saw someone else sitting there. He thought to himself, wait. He went back to his car, took out his radio, and called the police chief. He said, Captain, I've got a real big fish here I just pulled over. He said, oh, come on, who you got, Bonnie and Clyde? He said, nah, man, it's got to be somebody bigger. He said, sweet Jesus, is it Al Capone? I don't know what year this is. He says, oh, no, somebody much bigger than that. He says, what, you think you've got the president of the United States in the back of that car? I don't know. It's got to be somebody bigger because the Pope is his chauffeur. And that brings us to the crux of the matter. Most people don't have a clue who is driving their car. All right, take a second to pause here. I guess the analogy I'm understanding here and the example is that even though, well, I guess you get it, right? I don't need to explain it. I get it. For the listeners here, I hope you get it. <laughs> Let's move right along. And that brings us to the crux of the matter. Most people don't have a clue what is who is driving their car. Look around you. Ask yourself how many people you know are living with any real understanding of the crazy locomotive called life. Most people are passive pawns in their ride, clueless about how the machinery works, the source of its octane, and how to manage its direction or its velocity, or above all, who their chauffeur is. They talk of free will, liberty, and independence, but they have little or no control over their lives. Their destiny is something they create unconsciously. Welcome to karma, a dimension that puts you squarely back where you belong, where you were meant to belong, where you were meant to belong all along, in the driver's seat. Before we continue, I'd like to just put a quick explanation to that story, or what I believe the explanation is to that little story about the Pope being the chauffeur of the vehicle and then being pulled over by the police officer and his bewilderment to the fact of who might be in the back seat of the vehicle that just because the Pope or the Pope was driving that this guy in the back must be bigger than the Pope instead of it just being the Pope one in the drive. It's about perception for sure. So that section was called in the driver's seat. And I think the summary there is just understanding that most of us are not in full perception or awareness of our life and who is actually in the driver's seat of our life and how karma is a dimension of that. He says, welcome to karma, a dimension that puts you squarely back where you belong, where you were meant to belong all along in the driver's seat. Continuing on, demystifying karma. With that, we come to the central question of this book. What is karma? Literally, the word means action. Unfortunately, most people have understood action in terms of good and bad deeds. They see karma as a balance sheet of merits of merits and demerits, virtues and sins, a life audit of sorts. To others, it is a letter, a ledger, a ledger maintained a ledger maintained by some divine character, accountant, 
who assigns some people to celestial bliss and co-sign others to a to a neither world to a near to a neither world or into a maw of some recycling machine that spawns them back into this world to suffer more and more. Okay. So he says there that I just didn't read that well. I'll read that again. Demystifying karma. With that, we come to the central question of this book. What is karma? Literally, the word means action. Unfortunately, most people have understood this action in terms of good and bad deeds. They see karma as a balance sheet of merits and demerits, virtues and sins, a life audit of sorts. To others, it is a ledger maintained by some divine character accountant who assigns some people to celestial bliss and co-sign others to a neither world or nether world or into a maw of some recycling machine that spins them up and down then back and forth into this world to suffer some more that is this is not merely false and absurd it is tragic so karma has nothing to do with that huh the notion has created generations of puzzled and fearful human beings who use the term indiscriminately without a clue of what it means. It has spawned a brand of hmm, fatalism. It has spawned a brand of fatalism that has paralyzed vast segments of people and has been used to validate social injustices and political tyrannies of various kinds. It has also led to much spurious. Hmm. It has also led to much philosophized and empty academic debates and has a course of boosted and has, of course, boosted the fortune telling industry. Let us shatter the mist, first of all, and let us shatter the first myth. In actual fact, karma has nothing to do with reward and punishment. It has nothing to do with some dis despotic despotic life auditor up in the sky working with primitive devices of carrot and sticks it has nothing to do with benign with a benign god up in heaven it has nothing to do with divine retribution nothing to do with virtue sin good and evil good and god or mr lucifer Car karma simply means we have created the blueprint of our lives. Again, karma simply means we have created the blueprint of our lives. It means we are the makers of our own fate. When we say, this is my karma, we are actually saying, I am responsible for my life. Karma is about becoming the source of one's own creation. It's shifting responsibility from heaven to oneself one becomes the very maker of one's destiny. Karma is the natural bliss of all existence. It is not a law that is imposed from above. It does not allow us to outsource our responsibility anywhere else. It does not allow us to blame our parents, 
our teachers, our countries, our politicians, our gods, our, our fates, or our fates. It makes each one of us squarely responsible for our, for our own destinies and above all, the nature of our experience of life. So the only relevant question here is, are you ready for karma? Are you ready to hear about a dimension that is so empowering that it tells you that you are fully capable of taking the reins of your life into your own hands? If not, read no further. If you are willing, and if you are curious to find out more about how this mechanism works, this book could be your key. All you need to do after this is to fire up your engine and set off on your own new life's journey. Once you are at the wheel, your experiences of the ride will never be the same again. It is important to remember one thing, however. Karma is not a doctrine. You do not get any brownie points for subscribing to it. You do not get any, you do not get any ne ne negative marks for disbelieving it either. Karma is not a creed, a scripture, an ideology, a philosophy, or a theory. It is simply the way things are. It is an existential mechanism, like the sun. It operates whether you acknowledge it or not, whether you pay obsession to it or ignore it, or whether you pay obedience to it or you ignore it. It is not looking for a fan club. It simply turns you from a white-knuckled, terror-strucken passenger in the back seat into a confident driver in charge of the wheel, joyfully navigating the course of your own destiny. All right. Hopefully you're enjoying this reading. Hopefully I'm doing a good enough job for you to get what's going on. The section I just read was called Demystifying Karma. And as we understand, and as I do remember, it's demystifying the idea that karma has nothing to do with God or goddesses or Lucifer or any kind of anything. It just simply is the way of life in a sense of you saying you're taking responsibility of the way your life is going. You're basically controlling the energy of it. Karma to me sounds like the energy of your life and how you create that. Karma simply means we have created a blueprint for our lives. All right. So now we're moving on to the next section. I'll make this the last section. And it's called the karmic cycle. To turn driver instead of passenger, you need to start by knowing a few basic rules about how the karmic mechanism works. Let us start by addressing a fundamental misunderstanding. Although karma means action, it does not necessarily refer to physical deeds. It does not necessarily refer to, refer to what you do in the outside world. Whether it be acts of charity or acts of not charity, villainy. Instead, karma is action in three levels, body, mind, and energy. Whatever you do on these levels, whatever you do on these three levels leaves a certain residue or imprint on you. What does this mean? It is quite simple. Your five senses are collecting data 
from the outside world every moment of your life. You are literally being bombarded with a stimuli at every instant. Over time, this enormous volume of sense impression begins to assume a certain distinctive pattern within you. This pattern slowly shapes itself into behavioral tendencies. A cluster of tendencies harden over time into what you call your personality, or what you claim to be your true nature. It works in the reverse as well. Your mind shapes the way you experience the world around you. This becomes your karma, an orientation to life that you have created for yourself in relative unawareness. You are not aware of how these tendencies develop. But what you do consider to be myself is just an accumulation of the habits, predispositions, and tendencies you have acquired over the time without being conscious of the, of the process. Take a, take a simple example. Some people may have been joyful children, but are now unhappy adults. There may have been life events, there may have been life events that triggered this unhappiness. But in most cases, people have no clue how and when they acquired this persona. If they had created their personality consciously, they would have crafted themselves quite differently. But somewhere along the way, by following a misguided soul of their unexamined reactions and tendencies, chronic unhappiness chronic unhappiness became their defined characteristic or defining characteristic. In other words, karma is like old software that you have written for yourself unconsciously. And of course, you're updating it on a daily basis. Depending on the type of physical, mental, and energetic action you perform, you write your software. Once that software is written, your whole system functions accordingly. Based on the information from the past, certain memory patterns kept reoccurring. Now your life turns habitual, repetitive, cynical, or cyclical, repetitive. Let's just stop there. Over time, you become ensnared by your patterns. Like, some, like so many people, you probably don't know why certain situations keep reoccurring in your inner and outer life. This is because these patterns are unconscious. As time goes on, you turn into a puppet of your accumulated past. The lives of many people, for instance, are demoted Hmm. Let me pause a second. Let's start again. The lives of many people, for instance, are dominated by food and substance abuse. Chemical addiction, chemical addiction certainly plays a role here, but the primary problem is that they have set up a reoccurring pattern in their life. However hard they try to emerge from it, they keep falling back into this trap. If one does not consciously rewrite one's karmic software, the regularity of the patterns can feel like it be like it is being imposed from without rather than within initiating your power. But this software is not a fate to be endured. It can be rewritten, dropped, distanced, as we will see later in this book.
The karmic mechanism is ceaseless. Every mental functions, fluctuation, what is that word? Yes. The karmic mechanism is ceaseless. Every mental fluctuation in you creates a chemical reaction, which then proceeds to provoke a physical sensation. This sensation in turn reinforces the chemical reaction, which then strengthens the mental fluctuation. Over time, your very, over time, your very chemistry is determined by a series of unconscious reactions to sensory, to sensory and mental stimuli. Now, if you simply think about something that excites you, you can actually feel certain sensations in your body. This can be this can be empirically verified, like you don't have to deny it. We now know that the human being is a psychosin what? psychosomatic organism. That whatever happens in the mind immediately imprints itself in the body as a chemical process. If you think of mountains, for instance, your, your chemistry will react in one way. If you think of tigers, it reacts in another way. So for every minute mental, so for every minute mental fluctuation, there is a certain type of chemical reaction and sensation in the body. You may not even be aware of it unless the sensation becomes acute. As these sensations register and over time become the blueprint of your unconscious mind, you are therefore a living re repository of karmic memory. One levels you what on levels you are not aware of. Today's research has shown that psychological and emotional traumas can contribute to the risk of mental and physical health problems. We are told that mental distress can lead to cardiac problems, heart problems. None of this is new. People always knew that if you go through psychological upheavals, your heart will break. All this happens because your body chemistry changes over a period of time as a result of constant and mental emotional fluctuation. This is a very, this is a vicious cycle. If you touch the firmament, if you touch the firmament of your mind just once, the resulting ripples are enough to keep you going for a lifetime. The mind is a process that picks up momentum without any assistance from you. You may have noticed that when you were 18, you were generally able to shrug off difficulties and move on. The ability was more challenging by 30. By 45, many things seemed to bother you. And by 60, you find it almost impossible to pick yourself up, adapt, and move on. This mentality is pervasive. You can see it all around you. At 18, people are often anxious about their future. At 70, when most of their life has, is behind them, they are still worried. They have, be they have become such veterans at the business that they worry for no reason at all. This is because the cycle from mental fluctuation to chemical reaction to sensation, which then in turn produces a chemical reaction that leads again to the mental fluctuation, has gathered momentum. Basically, this person has been repeating the same patterns over their life. Over time, this has accumulated, this has 
cumulatively impacted on a cellular and genetic memory, as well as one's energetic or energy system. The unconscious mind is therefore a tremendous library of karmic memory. You would find this information very useful if you were approaching it consciously. The problem is that manifests the problem is that it manifests all the time without your permission. You feel like one big mess because you are punching your psychological keyboard randomly all the time. Think of a CD on which music is recorded. <clears throat> the disc is like your body. Where physical, mental, whether physical, mental, or energetic, the music is analogous to the impressions recorded upon your body. Now, the music is just a small impression on the compact disc, but when you play the CD, you do not experience the disc, you experience the music. Karma is similar. You are not actively experiencing your energetic or mental or physical body. You are only facing the music, and you, can, and you cannot stop it. You are experiencing your karmic impression and imprints all the time, and you cannot bring these to a halt. Okay, stop for a second at that section. Again, that section was called the karmic cycle. The explanation I got out of that was right here at the end that the cycle that we live in was created by the patterns. They call it a chemical fluctuation or the mental fluctuation of us responding to our bodies, our senses that are consciously come are constantly compounding us with sensory. And we're using that sensation. And over time, those patterns develop in our life, develop it, uh, develop in our energetic system, our cellular makeup. You know, he called it the cellular and genetic memory. The idea of what the karmic cycle was uh, is, is that it's our music. It is the accumulation. Let me read that part again. Think of a CD on which music is recorded. The disc is like your body. So the CD is like your body, whether physical, mental, or energetic. The music is analogous to the impression recorded upon your body. Now, the music is just a small impression on a compact disc. Again, your, your body, your physical, mental, or energetic body is the disc. But when you play the CD, when you listen to your body, when you read your body, when you come through your patterns, when you recognize, acknowledge your patterns, when you're conscious of your life, you do not, ex you do not experience the disc. You experience the music. Karma is similar. So when we try to understand the karmic cycle that we create, we don't look at particular actions. We look at our patterns and how those patterns have generated the outcome that we now live in, right? Because the patterns that we have, the cellular and genetic memories and makeups and things that we do is what makes the music of our life and karma is similar. You are not actively experiencing your energetic or mental or physical body. You are only facing the music when it comes to it. And you cannot stop the music. You just have to change the patterns, right? No matter what you do, you can't stop karma in this way. You can't pray for something to happen knowing that it will because you've already put in the energy for that to happen. You have to face the music. So that was the karmic cycle.
the book obviously goes on and on, and I want to continue reading that. But just wanted to take these few minutes here to share with you this book. I am excited to read more about it. In the next episode, I'll do my best to summarize the sections that I've read. And maybe if you're reading it too, we can talk about it together. I do read books on this podcast often, and I do it in different formats. I might read the entire book, or I might just read different sections, or I might just summarize. I'm not sure what's the best approach because I'm just sharing with you how I read the book. Sometimes I just read a book straight through and then put it down, don't go back to it. And there are times when I just read books in sections and I take a second to digest after reading a chapter and just let it let it sit there and think about it, what it may have meant. So hopefully you got that from this episode and my intent with sharing you this book called Karma by Satguru. It is said to be a yogi's guide to crafting your destiny. I want to say that it does sound good so far. The idea of what karma is, uh, I don't know. I never really looked at karma as a right and wrong or good and bad back in the day. I did understand it, that it's uh, the energy of our life. But I did, I do want to agree that I thought it was like some um, esoteric or spiritual energy of sorts where you got to be good all the time if you want good karma. And if you perceive anything bad of your karmic life, it's only because you're not look you're not looking at the good. So I was wrong there. It's definitely not that type of energy. It's really about me. And of course, it's going to be what I perceive it to be, but it's also about my consciousness within that. So once again, here on Only Black Cosmonaut, we are exploring that inner universe and looking to shine a light of love and acceptance with planetary alignment through the conversational practices of mindful guided meditations, yoga, and wellness. We grow, we breathe, we manifest reality. Thank you so much. I'll talk with you on the next episode. Namaste.